Before we get into the show, here's a quick message from MR Insurance, a small business that helps physicians with their disability insurance needs. Michael Rielvas is a CAFP professional and insurance agent committed to helping physicians nationwide with their term life and disability insurance needs. He makes an objective, transparent, and education-focused process that aims to help physicians make prudent decisions and avoid overcomplicating things. He exclusively offers own occupation disability insurance policies for residents, fellows, and attending physicians, and who does not need that? Everybody needs that. Michael has your best interest at heart when it comes to disability insurance. We know he'd be happy to help you address your needs. You can find Michael at drpodcastnetwork.com slash mrinsurance or contact him at see how easy it is to get tripped up with records. I've seen this happen frequently where the patient says, I want the records handed to me in a particular format. The format could be paper. It could very well be on a memory stick. It could be on a, uh, on a DVD. Is the patient in the driver's seat or put a different way? Can the practice dictate how they're going to deliver it to the patient? What if they don't have the means to be able to deliver it electronically? Excellent. Excellent question. So, to some extent, the patient is in the driver's seat. Uh, they can request the format at which their records be produced. If the practice is able to comply with that, then they must do that. So, if the if if the records if the chart is kept on paper form, not an electronic format, I think that we would all agree that it would be unreasonable for the patient to request that it be be put in some kind of a digital format uh, for them uh, that's accessible, right? You produce it in the way that you have. But if the records are electronic and the patient says, I want them printed off or I want it transferred electronically, both of those are options that the practice can do. And therefore, the practice would have to comply with the request of the patient. It's only if you're unable to do it in the normal course of business, can you say, we're sorry, we, we can't provide it to you in that form, but here are the forms that uh, we can provide it to you in. You know, it's it's going to be rare that copying and producing records are money makers for any practice, but I can assure you that by charging something that the patient perceives to be unreasonable <clears throat> can turn into a combustible liquid, <laughs> meaning if the if you're charging the patient fifty dollars and you think oh my god fifty dollars is nothing but the patient is already injured and already chatting with an attorney <clears throat> and now you've added what they perceive to be insult to injury I think it just adds up in their brain how you're you're trying to rip them off and because you're not really it's not going to change your financial balance sheet at the end of the year. I often tell people just let it go, you know, just produce the records, be be as patient friendly as possible and try and deliver it to them. 
I, I have seen practices nickel and dime patients only to have that evolve into a much bigger problem. Look, when a patient wants their records, they're behaving the way you would. I mean, if you want your records, you don't want a bunch of impediments put in your directory. You're looking for data. And a conclusion sometimes is that if you don't deliver it quickly, you've got something to hide. I'm not saying that's the proper conclusion, but I'm saying that is a perception that you may have to, you may have to work to overcome. The other area that we, we see, so right now the ac patient access to, to medical records is it a named initiative uh, by the Office of, of Civil Rights. So we all need to be conscious of that to get patients' records out in a timely uh, fashion. There are also other issues with, with patient records, oftentimes in the pediatric uh, front, where one parent takes, uh, the parents are divorced, one parent takes the child, the other parent wants copies of the records. These things come up uh, from from time to time. And so you need to to be be careful of those issues. Uh, typically, uh, parents are are entitled to their their child's medical uh, records. Um, and so even if you're not the parent that took the child, you may well uh, be entitled to know what went on at that went on at that visit. There are certain, exceptions to that if custodial rights have been terminated by a court, if a court has uh, ordered an exam of the child uh, for court purposes, then you may not be entitled to it uh, directly. That may go through. But but those are all the exceptions. The general rule is uh, parents can uh, see their minor children's medical records. Why don't we dwell on that for just a minute? Because that is a minefield. <clears throat> When you have a couple that is divorced, there's typically a lot of anxiety and conflict in the background. Not always, sometimes they've figured out how to part amicably and they're doing everything possible, the best interest of the child. But just as frequently we see the kids being exhibit A in the continued conflict between the, uh, the two parents. <clears throat> there's a presumption that if one parent has full custody and the other parent has no custody, that the, the the parent without custody has no rights. They have no right to determine whether the patient's going to receive any or the kid's going to receive any particular treatment, whether they have access to medical records. And the truth is a lot more complicated than that. Um, the default typically is that um, unless there's a court order stated otherwise, that the non-custodial parent typically does have some say in the medical care of their child. To the extent that there's a conflict between the two parents, it is often resolved by a judge or a court order. And in terms of medical records, unless there's a court order stating that <clears throat> because of the interest, in the interest of the child, the non-custodial parent cannot view the records, the default setting is the exact opposite, namely that records are readily available. But my point is that you don't need to you don't need to litigate this. You don't need to be the lawyer involved. Um, if there's a court order, they can show it to you. If there's a question, there are typically uh, retained attorneys on both sides, one for mom, one for dad, and let them duke it out. You don't need to be the person trying to guess in the middle because you're just as likely to get it wrong as you are to get it right. And, and, and now you're in the crosshairs. You don't want to be in the crosshairs. You've got conflicting parties mom and dad, um, ex-spouses fighting with each other. They each have their own retained counsel. <clears throat> you don't need to adjudicate that. You can defer to those two attorneys to fight it out and get a judge to make the decision. 
Uh, it's also terrible. Through. Yeah, it's also terribly unpleasant, isn't it? Um, anytime you involve lawyers, what a pox upon us all. <laughs> um, now, <clears throat> let's talk about another area of access that someone actually produced on on time, in fact, too quickly, and had had an issue. And this involves a lawsuit where <clears throat> the attorney that is defending, um, and let's just assume it's a routine automobile accident. One person uh, rear-ends another. The person who was rear-ended gets an attorney and sues the person that hits them. The person that um, a, a lawsuit goes forward and the defense attorney, the person who's defending the case, wants to see those medical records and sends off a subpoena. Subpoenas the records. Mm -hmm. the practice gets the subpoena and under some kind of uh, wild scenario of German efficiency, opens the subpoena, reads it, and produces the records within three hours. What happens? The other side says, hey, wait a minute, those are my medical records, and I didn't even have a chance to object. You can't send those without at least giving me an opportunity to go to court and try to quash that subpoena or say why I shouldn't have, uh, why they shouldn't have gone or why it's not relevant. Um, so, most states have a process by which they uh, have a certain number of days, and after that many of days, you can assume that you've waived an objection, records can be produced, or you can just require a court order or the patient, him or herself, to sign an authorization as part of their, their litigation. But I'd be very uh, careful in honoring a third-party subpoena for medical records. Mike, talk a bit about the difference between a lawyer signed subpoena and judge signed court order subpoena meaning that if you get this something in the mail and you get a subpoena everybody says ah, i got a subpoena i got to take some type of action because it's got the full weight of the court behind it but not all subpoenas are created equally correct that, that that's correct so the subpoena I, as an attorney i can i can subpoena uh, documents um, and if someone doesn't uh, produce it, my remedy is to go to the court and ask for a court order to enforce the subpoena or to get those uh, get those records. So um, a subpoena signed by an attorney is not given the same weight as an order signed by a judge. You get an order signed by a judge, that is definitely enforceable, and you can have all kinds of problems if you don't, monetarily and otherwise, contempt of court, all kinds of nasty scenarios. Um, not so true of, of subpoenas. The subpoenas put you on the road to getting a court order sometimes if, if it won't be complied with, but they are two separate things, and it depends upon who is signing off on them. Uh, judges trump lawyers. That's the way it works. <laughs> You can well imagine um, how trying to be ultra efficient in terms of getting records back to a lawyer for a, a subpoena could create a problem depending upon what's in the medical records. If, for example, the medical records, it goes into very sensitive details about um, sexually transmitted diseases, substance abuse, psychiatric history, and it's related to, let's say, the reason for the request for medical records was an automobile accident. You can well imagine um, how livid the, um, the the party's information was being disclosed might be that that information was just handed without even a phone call in advance, giving them a heads up to cite the transfer of information. So it's not it's not just the timing of when the medical records are sent; it's also the content 
not all the content is relevant and not all the content is equally um, insensitive or sensitive. That, that, that's exactly right. So um, I would have said a few years ago that we, we didn't really need to be too terribly concerned about medical record production because it was not an active area where people were having many problems. Um, something wasn't done appropriately. Everybody would get mad. A few letters would be sent and then the world moved on. Uh, now there's some teeth in this and there, there are monetary penalties. People are paying more attention to this. Um, there have been some lawsuits for records that were produced that should not have been produced, um, giving away excess information uh, for collection purposes has been another area. Maybe we should talk about that. Uh, there are cases where a <clears throat> one comes to mind where a dentist does a, a root canal and is not paid for the, the root canal. Okay? Turns over the records to an attorney to file small claims action. Uh, the attorney does file a small claim action and attached to the, the small claim are the medical records supporting the fact that the root canal was performed, right? Justifying why we're, we're, we charge this amount of money. This was what service was done. Here are the records showing it was done. What was also included was the fact that the patient was HIV positive. Now that's been included and made a public record lawsuit to follow. <laughs> Far more valuable than the, uh, the than the cost of the uh, root canal that was originally being um, pursued. So these are situations where medical records, which are part of everyday life and usually don't cause problems, uh, can blow up and, and really um, come back to, to haunt you. So be very careful. There was a case not too long ago, again related to HIV, where an insurance company was sending out some helpful reminder how to get less expensive medication if you're taking an HIV compound. And um, apparently they sent it out in a transparent envelope. You know, you have the address on there, but they didn't fold the paper or, or the letter. Yeah, yeah uh, they didn't fold the letter properly. So you could see, get your HIV medication at much lower cost through the transparent window uh, for the address. And that turned into a class action lawsuit. No good mm -hmm. deed goes unpunished, right? That, that's that's exactly um, that's exactly right. You can imagine that arriving at some kind of an apartment complex and getting put in the wrong box, and next thing you know, the whole place knows that so and so is HIV positive, or who knows, right? These are the way that lawsuits begin. So. I got a couple other random tidbits related to medical records. I thought it would be worth hitting before we close. There's an assumption that once a patient dies, that there's nothing to keep protected, that essentially it's a corpse and that they're not entitled to any HIPAA protection. But that's a myth, is it not? It is a myth. And just because someone is deceased doesn't mean that any member of their family or, or, or public ha can request and have access to uh, the decedent's medical records. Uh, the, it goes to the personal representative or the executor of the estate stands in the uh, shoes of the decedent and they would have the same rights as, the, as if the person was still still alive. So you'd have to go through the executor or the personal representative of the estate to get copies of medical records. So Mike, let me turn this into a real world example. A surgeon was taking care of a patient and the patient died. Um, right after an operation. The family, there were three um, three children came in from 
out of state and they wanted records. And nobody really knew who was the representative, who was the executor, who was next in line. Um, they were all on the same page. They all wanted access to the records. But at that point, nobody had been named an executor for the estate because it was so it was so fresh. The question is, how, how do you give them information without violating HIPAA? You I mean, I can tell you now, if you said, well, I got to wait till um, till one of you is named by a court as, a, as an executor, this may take weeks to months before that happens. If you wait that long, you're looking at a lawsuit. So how do you how do you thread that needle? Well, I think that it put it puts you in a different difficult box, and um, I've not experienced that. But my thought, if if I was advising someone, would be to have the interested people sign off um, that they that they are agreeable to this, because who's really going to raise the issue? is a family member and if all the family members are are in a line um then you should be you should be all right uh or certainly if they're having if they want um an attorney to look at it i think you know you could go go that go that route too it puts you in a difficult box though because uh the adult children of the decedent are not uh legally entitled to those uh to those medical records, despite the fact that you want to give them to them and they want to receive them, uh, it it creates a, a legal problem that you have to come to a practical reality to get get around. And so, if we can get everybody on the same page and agreeable and document that, that may be the best thing that you can do. You're exactly right that if you tell them to go hire a lawyer and open up an estate and send me the formal uh, document, uh, you may get that along with uh, a notice of a lawsuit. Boy, you are a problem solver, not just a lawyer. Uh, I do my best. This is like Schrodinger's cat, where the cat is both alive and dead at the same time. So here, they're they're both the executor of the estate and not an executor of the estate at the same time. You have to solve that paradox. We just can't see in the box, can we? We cannot see in the box. <laughs> anyway, I think um, I think we'll close by reminding everyone the proper way to spell HIPAA. Do it, do it one more time. Say it with me. Go ahead. H I P A A. I see I screwed it up. Let's do it again. Oh, what okay, give me an H. H. Give me an I. I. Give me a P. P. Give me an A. A. Give me one more A. HIPAA. There you go. We Thanks got everyone. It. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. You've made a very dry subject. Uh, much easier to digest, and we appreciate everyone spending time with us today. Thank you so much. Before we end, don't forget to reach out to MR Insurance Consultants, where their goal is to assist physicians in obtaining the most comprehensive coverage available to fit their unique situations. Reach out for both excellent and quality service at drpodcastnetwork.com slash mrinsurance. And with that, we're at the end of our broadcast. Thanks for joining us. In closing, a few messages. If you're an existing member of medical or dental justice and you find yourself on the receiving end of a medical legal threat, please contact us at 1-877-MEDJUST. That's 1-877-MEDJUST or 633-5878. Our STAT hotline is a service offered to all current members. It's designed to get your urgent medical legal questions answered ASAP. 
Members can also access a plethora of exclusive medical legal resources by logging into their members-only page, which can be accessed by our website, medicaljustice.com. Now, we want to protect as many doctors as possible. If one of your colleagues is in trouble, please refer him. When a current member of Medical Justice refers a colleague and that colleague becomes a member, you both receive a month of free protection. To refer a colleague, write to us at infonews, that's I-N-F-O-N-E-W-S at medicaljustice.com. That's infonews at medicaljustice.com. Now, if you're not an existing member of medical or dental justice, but want to bulletproof your practice from medical legal threats, our admin, Wendy Cates, is your best resource for information about our protection plans, implementation best practices, and pricing models. Wendy can be reached directly at 336-358-5587. We offer discounts for large groups and protect doctors of all specialties in all states. Now, before we close, one last request. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review on your preferred podcast provider and share our podcast with your colleagues. Reviews help maintain our podcast visibility, which in turn helps us reach a broader audience. This helps us protect more doctors. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you'll join us on the next episode of the Medical Liability Minute.